Well, good morning, church. And welcome to our house. It's a bit of a mess, uh, but we are so glad that you are here. And as you can see, especially if it's your first time here, uh, our house is a little bit uh, imperfect at the moment, honestly, always, but especially today. There's a big hole in the wall. Uh, we've been talking about what to do with this space. Uh, we could use it for an attic, uh, you know, maybe store some chairs up there. Um, uh, somebody said it would be a great place for a new pipe organ. Anybody want to do that? Uh, I don't know. I mean, we're taking ideas. So if you have anything, you know, somebody else said maybe we can install a, a zip line I could, you know, deploy from up there and arrive down here to preach from. There's all kind of great ideas. Uh, I don't know what we're going to do. But no, thank you for being here and for bearing with us uh, through these uh, days where we're trying to, to do some, some renovations. We are changing uh, the house a little bit. And it's really just a reflection of what God is doing in all of our hearts because we believe we're always changing. God is always working in us to change us, to transform us, to make us more and more like his son Jesus. So if you're here today and you see the the changes going on behind us, I hope you realize that's just uh, maybe symbolic of what God is doing in all of our hearts. Because all of us are imperfect. Um, In fact, if you're not perfect, uh, you are among friends. We are a place with lots of people who are far from perfect, but we're all striving. We're all striving to be more and more like Jesus. And I'm grateful you're here. Uh, Thank you for bearing with us. I'm so grateful for uh, everyone who this past week has been working here trying to make things better. I'm thankful for all the volunteers who've stepped in to kind of help uh, clean things up and get things done and build things and make things and figure this thing out. And hopefully in the next couple of weeks, we'll see it all kind of come together. So so come back next week, come back the week after that. And I I assure you before Christmas, this will all be done and uh, we'll have it figured out. Uh, And so it'll, it'll all come together, I promise. Uh, sooner or later. We are starting a new series today uh, called Welcome to Our House. And uh, like I said last week, like Grayson said earlier, we'll end this series uh, in a few weeks on September 9th with a, a, a Bring a Friend Day. A great chance uh, for you to invite your friends. So be thinking now about who you can invite from school, from your neighborhood, from your work, the people around you, the people you see off and on throughout the week. Who can you be inviting that day on September 9th? I'm really hoping by then this will be complete and it'll be a a great time for us to welcome a lot of friends from our community uh, into our church to worship with us and to celebrate what God is doing here on that day. It'll be a great day on September 9th. And so I pray you'll be praying and thinking about that as we get closer and closer to that date. Before we jump into this series, though, I want to I put this in front of you, this idea in front of you. 27 surgeries before the age of 10. In 2012, R.J. Palacio published a book called Wonder. My guess is that a lot of you know about this book, especially if you have elementary age children. Uh, we first learned about this book when our son Will came home from school and said, hey, our teacher is reading this book to us at school every day. It's, it's called Wonder, and it's the story of a boy named Augie. Uh, before Augie was born, his parents were told there might be some problems. They could tell from the ultrasound that maybe he would have a cleft palate, maybe what they called he would have some other smaller anomalies. They weren't sure what, but as soon as he was born, the nurses and doctors wrapped him in a blanket and quickly rushed him out of the room. His mother didn't even get to hold him right away. What they discovered was that he had a lot more going on than just what they had thought prior. And over the next 10 years, doctors would perform a series of 27 surgeries to try to reconstruct his face and make him look what we would call a little more normal. But even after all of that, you could still look at Augie and tell he was a little bit different. He looked a little bit different. Uh, Over those 10 years, his mom had to homeschool him 
honestly, just because of the surgeries. There was no way he could go to school and go through all the surgeries he had to go through during that time. But at the age of 10, they thought, you know, the next surgery isn't but a couple of years away. We've got some time here. Maybe it's time for Augie to go to school. And so now it's time for him to go to fifth grade. And fifth grade is scary enough. Can I get an amen, fifth graders? You know, it's scary enough uh, for most of our kids. This past week, our kids went back to school. We've got a, a first grader, a fourth grader, and a sixth grader. And, you know, like a lot of parents, like a lot of you, we worried about sending our kids back to school and what would it be like and what would it feel like. And if you've ever gone to a new school, you know the anxiety that you feel going to a new school for the first time. You know, will, I, will you find friends? Will you find your people? Will you fit in? Will you be accepted? That's natural for any kid. It's natural for any parent to have that worry and that concern. But for Augie's parents, I have to imagine that was magnified times a million. And so Augie's mom thought before the first day of school. Let's go up, me and you, to the school. Let's meet the principal. And then let, let's get a tour so you'll kind of see what the school is like and where your classes will be. And what I want to do is I'm going to show you a quick clip of, of Augie's trip to school for the first time where he gets to meet three kids that the principal has asked to take him around the school and show him what the school was like. So if you would, let's watch that clip now. Wow, this reminds me of my guest spot on Law & Order. So, the sign selective is supposed to be really hard. So you probably won't be spending much time here. No offense, but if you've never been in a real school before. Dude, he's been homeschooled. Okay, I'm just saying. Science is supposedly really hard. Wait, but you're taking it too, right? <laughs> Maybe you could fail together. Why don't you get out of the way so we can check it out? Okay. I mean, there's nothing much to see. Desks, chairs, the incubator, bunch of murders. Those are some really gross science posters. Oh, and this is an eraser. He knows what an eraser is. How am I supposed to know what he knows? He doesn't say anything. You know what an eraser is, right? Dude, you have to say something. Yeah, I know what an eraser is. Is your name Jack or Jack Will? Wait, you thought his name was Jack Will? Yeah, a lot of people call me by my first and last name. I don't know why. Got any other questions? Actually, I've got a question for Augie. What's the deal with your face? Dude, I mean, were you in a car crash or something? Julian! What? Tushman said we could ask questions if we wanted to. Not rude questions. Besides, he was born like that, Mr. Tushman said. Yeah, I know. I just thought maybe he was like... In a fire, too. Hey, Julian, shut up. You shut up. Why don't we all shut up? No, I wasn't in a fire. And the word supposedly. What? You said that science is supposedly really hard. Twice. The word supposedly with a D. Maybe my mom can homeschool you too. Augie, you know what it feels like to walk into a room or into a situation and wonder, you know, will I be welcome? Will I be invited? 
And the reality is, and we know this, but, but kids can be mean. Adults can too. And before the first day of school, he would already feel unwelcome. He would already feel uninvited. He would already feel like he wouldn't have a place there. And it was an incredibly brave thing, I think, for him to go to school that day and that year. But I wonder if you've ever felt that way. Have you ever felt unwanted? Have you ever felt uninvited? I think, you know, when you feel, when you feel unwelcome, what you feel is rejection. When you feel uninvited, you know, what you feel is unwanted. And, and when you feel those feelings, when you feel those things, it really, you start believing the lie of the enemy. You start believing the worst things about you. You start believing that, yeah, maybe I'm not good enough, or maybe I'm not tall enough, or skinny enough, or funny enough, or smart enough, or whatever enough. The list goes on and on. We start feeling this way when we, we start to feel that hint of rejection. We start to wonder, you know, where, where do I fit in, or will I even fit in. It's these kind of feelings that we feel, and maybe you felt that way. People, what what I really find so hard is that so many people feel this way when they come to church. Like a lot of you, our family was on the road this summer, and on one of those road trips, we decided to go back to a church we'd been a part of before. So this, for us, was a familiar place, but we haven't been there in a while, especially on a, on a Sunday, and, and I, was, I was off this, this uh, preaching here that weekend, so we went off on this trip, and we're going to go home and, and visit some people at this specific church. And I remember what it felt like as our family was getting ready that morning. There was some anxiety with our kids and with us. What will it be like going back to this church, going into this church for the first time in a long time? We pulled in the parking lot. We wondered if people would see us, if they would remember us. When we walked to the door, we, we wondered what it would feel like. There was some anxiety and some pressure about it, even though for us, this was like, you know, this was not a big deal. You know, I, I made a joke several years ago that, that being a preacher, you know, it's kind of like being a professional Christian. And one of you guys thought you would be funny. I won't mention their name. It starts with a J and ends in on shram. But he made uh, these business cards for me that say, Corey Trevathan, professional Christian. And, uh, you know, so if anybody should feel comfortable going to a church, it should, it should be me. But we weren't immune to those feelings of what would it be like to walk into this church? What would it be like to, to go in and are they going to sing songs we know? Are they going to make us stand and talk to strangers in the middle of worship? Are they going to single us out? Are they going to embarrass us? Is there going to be a moment when we're uncomfortable? Can we get in and out without it feeling too strange or too weird? Some of us, we've been a part of this church for a long time, and, and we have no problem walking in here. But for a lot of people, especially, and some of you may be here for the first time or the second time or the third time, you know what I'm talking about. Like you're worried, what would it feel like? And will, will it be okay? Some of us, we've forgotten what that feels like, but that feeling is very real for a lot of people. Will I be welcomed? Will I be invited in? And if that's you, if you are here for the first time or the second time or a third time, let me say thank you. Like I think it's the bravest thing you can do to walk into a church that may be unfamiliar to you with just the hope and a prayer that it's going to be a good experience. Thank you. You Hear me say, we want you to know you are welcome here, and we want you to feel welcomed here. And the reason we say that is because we believe in a God who wants to welcome you into his family. This is the God we serve. We serve a welcoming God. We, we serve a God who, who, who wants to invite everyone to come in and everyone to be a part of his house. At least that's the way, that's the way one of his first disciples talked about it. Now, Peter, who was one of Jesus' 12 disciples, who was also one of the, his closest 
disciples and friends. Peter, who was in the inner circle. Peter wrote and talked about the church. And when he did, he described it like a house. And this is Peter who, oh, by the way, denied Jesus three times. Peter who, oh, by the way, abandoned Jesus at the cross. And then Jesus found him fishing again after his resurrection. And he called him again to come to him. And there on that beach, he forgave him. And there on that beach, he recommissioned him to go and tell all the world about the good news, the great love of God. And that's what Peter did. And he wrote. He wrote this letter in 1 Peter. If you have your Bibles or your Bible app, you can open up to 1 Peter. He wrote this letter to these churches in, in Asia Minor, what you call Turkey today. This letter was intended to go to multiple churches and tell them about the amazing, incredible love of God. And I want you to hear what Peter said to the church and how he talked about the church. He said this in 1 Peter 2 verse 4. He said, you, and this is a big, big idea, so we'll start with this. He said, you are coming to Christ. Now he's writing to a group of people who are going to have to leave a former way of life to come to the way of Jesus. And so you, you're, gonna, you're coming to Christ. You've got to leave something behind, and you've got to live different moving forward. The way you used to live, you can't live anymore. You're coming to Christ. The old is gone. Now you're headed in a new direction. You've got to go in a new way, the way of Jesus. You're coming to Jesus. You're coming to Christ. You're coming to him. So it means that you've got to, to come into a whole new way to follow Jesus. And this is who Jesus is. Jesus is the living cornerstone. This is how Peter describes Jesus. Jesus, the living cornerstone of God's temple, literally God's house. He was rejected by people, but he was chosen by God for great honor. Jesus is the living cornerstone. He's the one you're coming to to build your life on. And what Peter wants you to know, first off, is that he's alive. This is something I don't think Peter ever got over. Because when Jesus was first resurrected, when he was first alive after being dead on the cross, Peter didn't believe it. When the women came from the tomb to tell Peter and the disciples that Jesus was alive, he didn't believe it. He didn't believe it until he saw Jesus with his own eyes and he saw Jesus alive. And and from that time on, he never got over it. Jesus is alive. He is the living cornerstone. He is alive. I saw him. After I denied him, I saw him. After I abandoned him, I saw him. After he was crucified, I saw him. After he was buried, I saw him. After all of that, he forgave me. He recommissioned me to tell you that he's alive. He is the living cornerstone. He is alive. And this is who you should build your life on because Jesus, when you build your life on Jesus, you can come to him. You can come to Jesus, the living cornerstone, and you can come to him over and over again. And Peter knew this because he came to Jesus a second time. Jesus had to call him more than once to follow him. And Peter's failure wasn't the defining moment of Peter's life. You know what was the defining moment of Peter's life? His decision to come to Jesus more than once. And that may be all we need to say today for a lot of us. That may be all we need to hear today. That your failure, whatever it is, whatever it was, whenever it happened, wherever it happened, you can ask Peter, that doesn't have to be 
what you build your life on. That doesn't have to be the defining moment of your life. Peter knew better than anyone that you can come and you can come back to Jesus. And you can build your life on him. And he's the solid cornerstone. He's the one that holds the house together. He's that bedrock. He's that foundation stone. He's the one that can't be shaken. He's the one that, that, that no matter what's going on in the world around you, you can build your life on Jesus. And then he said this in verse 5, And you, Jesus is the living cornerstone. You are living stones that God is building into his spiritual temple. Again, literally the word there is not temple. It's actually the word house. You are the living stones that God is building into his spiritual house. That all of those who have put their trust in Jesus, get this, all those who are living stones, all of those who now are alive the same way Jesus is alive, those who have been resurrected with Jesus, those who have walked through the waters of baptism, which we're missing, by the way, today. So if you want to do that, we'll find a pool and we will do that, but not here. Um, But if you've walked through those waters of baptism and you've become alive with Christ, then you are You are a living stone. That's who you are. It wasn't that long ago that Jesus looked at Peter and the disciples and he asked that question, who do you say I am? It was Peter that spoke up and said, you are the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the son of God. And then Jesus looked at at Peter who at that point in his life, his name was Simon. That's all anyone knew about him. His name was Simon. And Jesus looked at Simon and he said, that's right. And your name is now going to be Petra, Peter, rock, literally. And oh, by the way, that wasn't a name. I know that sounds like a name to you because it is a name in our culture, in our society. That wasn't a name back then in first century Judaism. Nobody, there weren't any little boys running around with the name Peter. Jesus looked at Simon and said, your name is going to be rock. And everybody's like, that's kind of weird, but okay. But it had meaning. It had meaning for Jesus. And it had meaning for Peter. And now Peter looks at the church. He says, I'm not the only rock. All of you are living stones. All of you are living stones. And God, he's the master builder. He's the master architect. He's the one that puts all of this together. And I'll confess, I I don't know much about building. When we decided to do this project, I had no idea how it's going to happen, and I'm still not sure I have it figured out. My grandfather, he was a builder. My grandfather was a bricklayer in Memphis, Tennessee. He knew how to put bricks together. He knew how, he was a stonemason. He knew how to take stones. He would look at a pile of bricks, and he would see a wall. He would look at, at a pile of stones, and he, he knew how to put those together into something beautiful. And when God looks at us, When other people look at us, they may look inside these church walls and they may see a lot of people that there's no other reason we would get together. We're too different. There's too many things that would separate us. Why would we all gather in one place? But God looks at the people in this room today and what he sees are living stones. And he sees how to build all of us together into something beautiful, into a beautiful house. That's what God does because he's the master builder. And Peter looks at the church and he says, all of you are living stones and you are built on the cornerstone that is Jesus, the living cornerstone. And God is going to put all this together and make us into this beautiful house. And what else? What's more? Get this. What's more? You are. You are holy. You are his holy priest. Through the mediation of Jesus Christ, you 
offer spiritual sacrifices that please God. You, you're not just living stones. You're not just a pile of rocks. You're holy priest. And you know what priests do? Priests usher people into the presence of God. Peter says, this is who you are. As people made alive through Jesus Christ. You, church, you are to be holy priests who usher other people into the presence of God so that they can have an encounter with Jesus, so that they can become alive again, living stones, so that they can be holy priests who usher people into the presence of God so they can have an encounter with Jesus, so they will become living stones, and then they will become holy priests so they can usher people. Do you see what's happening here? This is what Peter says. This is who you are as a church. All of you, you're living stones that God is building together into a house of praise. And you not only serve as the living stones, you serve as the holy priests that usher more and more people into his presence where they can have an encounter with Jesus, the living, the living cornerstone. And by the way, oh, by the way, this has always been the plan. Peter's looking back on his entire life experience with Jesus. And not only that, but all that was ever written by the ancient prophets about the coming Messiah, and it's all like hitting him. It's like, whoa, his brain is exploding. Fireworks are going off, and he he remembers what Isaiah, one of the prophets of God, once said hundreds of years before Christ came, and he quotes him here in verse 6. Peter says, as the scriptures say, as Isaiah said, I am placing a cornerstone in Jerusalem. That's Jesus. A cornerstone in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And anyone who trust in him, will never be disgraced, will never be shaken. Okay, I read that. I don't think you got the full weight of it. Let me read it again. Scriptures say, I'm placing a cornerstone, that's Jesus, in Jerusalem, chosen for great honor. And here's the word that should just make fireworks go off in your brain. And anyone, absolutely anyone, circle that, highlight that, mark that, Figure out a way, somewhere to put that on your mirror. Because anyone, anyone, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced, will never be shaken. In other words, from this point on, anyone is welcome in God's house. That's big news. That was not always the way it had been. In the former house, in the temple that came before, where the presence of God resided in the most holy place, people could only come so far. Gentiles, people that were not Jewish, could only come so far if they wanted to come and worship God at the temple. Women could only come so far if they wanted to go to the temple to worship God. Jewish men could only enter so far if they wanted to come to the temple and worship God. Priests could only come so far close to the presence of God if they wanted to worship God. The high priest, the one one person, could enter into the most holy place only on special occasions. But that's not the way it is anymore. And Peter's putting all the pieces together and he's like, whoa, anyone. Isaiah said it hundreds of years ago. Anyone, absolutely anyone. From now on, you don't have to have it all together. You don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to put your faith, put your trust, put your hope in Jesus. And anyone Anyone who puts their hope in Jesus is welcome, is welcome in this 
house that God is building. But the truth is, before we can talk about us becoming living stones and us becoming this house of praise that God is building, I think we have to ask this question. Do you feel welcome here? Do you feel welcome here? Really? I think Peter was there that day. Jesus had gotten an invitation to dinner at, this, at the home of a religious leader. And, and Peter, uh, Jesus, I, I don't think Jesus ever turned down an invitation to go eat with anybody. He, was, he loved people. It didn't matter if you had it all figured out or if you didn't. If you invited Jesus to go eat, he always said yes. And this day he went, and, and I believe Peter and the disciples were, were there with him. When this man named Simon invited Jesus into his home. And honestly, everything was going really well until someone showed up who was uninvited. And and I just want you to read this short story for you found in Luke 7, in verse 36. When one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. And then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And when the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man, if Jesus, were really a prophet, he would know who's touching him and what kind of woman she is. That she is a sinner. See, Simon had welcomed Jesus into his home, but he didn't welcome her. Ever had that experience? I'm guessing most everybody in the room would welcome Jesus into your home today if he, you know, appeared and wanted to come eat at your house. But who would be uninvited? Who would you not welcome? I think what this Pharisee, whose name is Simon, didn't realize was that he'd welcomed Jesus, but by extending the invitation to Jesus, Jesus had actually welcomed Simon into his presence. But that he wasn't the only one who was welcome. Because Jesus welcomed this woman into his presence as well. What Simon didn't realize, what the Pharisee didn't realize was that that if you, if you don't welcome this woman, then you really haven't even welcomed Jesus because to welcome Jesus is to welcome her and to welcome her is to welcome him. What Simon failed to realize was that Jesus was the one who was welcoming both of them into his presence. This woman, you know what she probably expected. I mean, she went in with the best of intentions, but you know that she would not have been surprised if she had been rejected. She would not have been surprised if Jesus had shooed her away, if the disciples had come in and asked her to leave and to maybe come see Jesus at a later time that's more appropriate, not in the home of this religious leader, not, not right now. Let's do this later. We'll set something up. Have your people call my people. That would not have surprised her at all. But that's not what happened. And what she realized that day was that she was welcome. What she found in the home of Simon was a Savior that welcomes sinners into his presence. And when Peter begins to write to the church 
he, he's putting all this together. What Isaiah said is true. What I've experienced in my life, because I denied Jesus and I abandoned Jesus, but he welcomed me back. What Jesus did at Simon's house that day, it's, it's all coming together. Anyone, everyone, all are welcome in God's house. This is, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. That you, whoever you are, and whatever baggage you have, and whatever you've done, despite your past, whatever your experience, whatever your tradition, whatever you've been through, whatever you're dealing with right now, current day, even if the world around you labels you a sinner, you are welcome into the presence of Jesus. And I don't know about you, but that's really good news for me. It's really good news. That all are welcome in God's house. Because God's house is not a building. This place, 150 East Beltline, this, this is our address, this is our location, this is bricks and mortar, and we're trying to make it better and more inviting and more welcoming to, to our community, but this is just a building. You are the church. The church is not a building, the church is a people. We are the living stones that God is building together to build us into a house of praise, to usher more people into his presence where they can have an encounter, where they will know they are too invited and they are welcome into the presence of of God. Because in God's house, all are welcome. And maybe, maybe you feel like Augie felt. Maybe you feel different. Maybe you feel like Peter felt, that you've denied Jesus and you've abandoned him and you've got no part in his story moving forward. Maybe you feel like the woman that came to Jesus and you just got so much shame, you're not even sure if you'll be received. But what Peter tells us is a powerful truth. That all of us, all of us are wonders. And all of us are welcome. All of us are welcome in God's house. And what I believe we want to become, I think this is true of us, is not just a friendly church. That's good. That's a start. But what if we became a welcoming church? What if we welcomed people the way Jesus welcomed people into his presence? Who do you know that needs a place to belong? Because there are people all around us that they need, they need a church to belong to. They need a place to come home to. And what if we could become that place? What if we could become that house? Church, if you would, let's, let's stand. I was thinking it'd be really neat if from now on, whenever you met someone for the first time here at Riverside, if you just said, welcome, welcome to our house. Welcome to our house. Like you are welcome here. You are invited to be here. You are wanted here. You have a place here. We're not perfect, but we're going to strive together to be more like Jesus. And we want God to do what only God can do and put all of us together into this beautiful house that he is building What if we became that kind of church that said, you know what, you are welcome. You are welcome in our house. What if we welcomed people here the way God through Jesus has welcomed us into his presence? And what if this church, I know it is, but what if we more and more every day became built on the cornerstone of Jesus? This morning, if if you feel like Augie felt, if you feel different, if you feel like Peter felt, like you've messed up too much for God to take you back, 
If you feel like the woman felt just ashamed, I want you to know we would like to welcome you to pray with us. I'm going to ask our, our, our shepherds and their wives to make themselves available around the room. And we're going to sing a song, and if you need someone to pray with, they would love to just do that. They will welcome you, and they won't make you feel anything except love and acceptance. And they want to usher you into the presence of God and ask God to do what only he can do and to reclaim you as that living stone and to make you into his holy priest and to send you out with a message of God's amazing love because Jesus will do what he did for Peter. He will welcome you, and he will forgive you, and he will recommission you. That's what Jesus does. And you can come to him over and over and over again. And if you do want to come to Jesus for the first time today, don't worry. We know people. There's water. (laughs) We'll find it. And we'll help you. We'll help you. We'll help you walk into that water and become alive after death. Become alive with Jesus. And we'll walk with you and we'll help you build your life on Jesus that precious living cornerstone. So if we can help you in any way, man, while we're singing, come find us and let us help. Let's sing.